0: Like uh, Jake just said, my name is Andrew Woods, and I am an elder at Grace Covenant Church in Weatherford, Texas, but not for too much longer, uh, because in a couple of weeks, my family and I, my, my dear bride and my four little ones will be venturing off to California, and that's not a typo, right? I, I know for most people, they're, they're coming here from California, so they're not trying to go back. Well, dear friends, I hope that you can join me in praying for California. Specifically, when we think of California, um, and as Pastor Jake said, the, the area called the Bay Area is kind of the belly of the beast. It's an area known to um, not only not champion Christianity, but be actually going against it, right? That's their very nature, is to be propagating things that would be anti-Christian. And so We felt called, and not only that, but Gospel Community Church in Santa Cruz, California, called us to come be members of their church for a year and a half and join a church planting residency. And during that time, I will be able to help out Gospel Community Church there in Santa Cruz and then be able to raise up a team to go and, like Pastor Jake was saying, plant a very small church in an area that is in such desperate need for just healthy churches it's a very barren place for good solid gospel preaching bible churches and so as i thought how should i come to you this morning and and what should i preach i thought the thing that i wanted to preach and and to bring to your attention is the very thing that i want to bring to their attention which is this Interesting reality. So open your Bibles to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 begins with this really cool thing called the two paths. And if you've studied the Old Testament or if you've studied wisdom literature like the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, a lot of what's going to be said in these wisdom literature books is going to be the two ways. So Psalm 1 is going to begin in talking to us about the blessed way and the wicked way. Proverbs would call this the way of wisdom and the way of the fool. And so when I go to Santa Cruz, I want to bring to them the gospel. I want to bring them the blessed way and not the wicked way. And this morning, I want to remind you of the difference between the blessed way and the wicked way. Because friends, there are only two ways. It's either living for God or living for yourself. And that's what Psalm 1 makes so clear. Psalm 1 being the introduction to maybe your favorite book of the Bible, right? If we look throughout church history, people loved the Psalms. I love the Psalms. You heard your call to worship this morning out of the Psalms. All throughout church history, people have latched on to the Psalms. But Psalm 1 is so important for us to understand the rest of the Psalms. It's this interpretive grid to understand the rest of the Psalms. And in fact, at Grace Covenant, I've had the privilege over the last five years of preaching through the Psalms. We just finished last month Psalm 52, starting from Psalm 1 and getting to Psalm 52. But it seems like every time I'm in the pulpit, I'm reminding everyone, remember Psalm 1. So this morning, that's what I wanna do. I want to bring to you Psalm 1. So let's read the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Hear the word of God this morning. Let's pray. And then let's start diving in. Heavenly Father, we have just heard your word. We have heard your perfect, sufficient, inerrant, inspired word. God, thank you for giving us your very word that you breathed out for us. That we would know the way, the blessed way versus the wicked way. We would be so utterly lost without you, God. Yet you have not only given us your word, but you've given us your son, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, help us this morning as we read your word, as we expound your word, help it um, encourage, edify, even rebuke and admonish those that need it this morning. And anything that I say that is outside of your will, may everyone just forget it and remember your word. And it's in Christ's name that we pray this, Amen. So as we dive into Psalm 1, I've broken it up into three sections. It'll be really simple, okay? Verses 1 through 3, if you're a note taker, verses 1 through 3 will be the blessed way. Okay, pretty simple. Verse 4 will be the wicked way. And then verses 5 and 6 are going to be the consequences of the ways. So if you are a note taker and you like dividing things up, there it is. There's your simple outline for this morning. So as we jump into these first verses then, we have to begin right with that first word, blessed is the man. Now, typically when we hear blessed or you must be so blessed, right? Maybe we've heard that a time or two or oh, may, may you be blessed, dear brother or sister. What, what is typically meant when somebody gives those words to you? They're typically saying, well, I, I hope you're happy. Or, or I hope you, you make lots of money. Or I hope you're really comfortable and you don't get sick. Or get any sort of illness. I don't think that's what blessed means. I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I, I think certainly those are aspects of being blessed. In fact, if you look at the Hebrew, you, the word actually means enjoying something. Happy or highly favored. Okay, but remember the words that we all read in that really cool way in that responsive reading. Jesus takes the blessed man and then he interprets it in the New Testament. So I'll just go back really quickly. I'm sure you guys all memorized Matthew 5, verses one through 11. But in case you forgot, I'll remind you of how Jesus defines blessedness. Blessed are the poor in spirit Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So this blessedness, yes, sure, there's there's being highly favored, there's enjoying something, there's actually liking something, but this blessedness, I'll tell you, I think is a way of life. It is a different way where other people would, the blessed way would be about themselves, what we're going to find out very quickly from the psalm is what is this way of living? What is this blessed life? What is this blessed man? Well, as wisdom literature loves to do in the Old Testament, it's going to explain to you something by explaining what it isn't. That's always helpful, starting off in the negative. So what we see very quickly, is we have this understanding of blessed, right? It's this way of life. It's this highly favored way of life. And we see how Christ has kind of blown up just this idea of blessedness must be, you know, rich, happy, and healthy. No, it's not all of that. In fact, it is a way of life after following God. And so he's going to define it, the author of Psalm 1, as again, as he is setting the stage for the rest of the Psalms in what I like to call the blessed do nots. We read, who, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now we'll see that these verbs, walking, standing, and sitting, certainly show a progression of the integration into the wicked. It doesn't just start off that you become uh, the most vile person, right? It, it didn't just start off right off the bat that um, San Francisco turned into San Francisco. There was time. There was counsel. There were things that were done. There were ideologies that were accepted that were then followed that then had an impact on all the people. But what I want you to hear this morning Yes, we'll get to the progression of that sinfulness in a second. But what I want you to be attentive to is how it starts. This is really interesting. It starts with associating with the counsel of the wicked. You might immediately scoff this morning and say, well, that's not me. But I want you to see that this psalm, what has already been read aloud and what we will continue to work through is going to contrast the counsel of the wicked with the word of God. So if you are taking counsel and guidance in your life from anything besides the inspired word of God, you are in danger of walking with the wicked. This is a blessed do not. This is so helpful. Friends, are you taking Everything captive to the word of God? Let me put it a different way. What moves you? What shapes you? When you hear or read or see something that you go, that's right. I've got to go do that thing. That's the thing that I need to be doing. What is it that moves you in that direction? Is it reading the word of God? Is it listening to a sermon, being around other believers and fellowship, or is it your favorite news pundit, your political party leader, your favorite workout guru? Friends, these are not the word of God, no matter how much they tell you they are. This is not the word. And we are so easily persuaded. It's not hard to look at social media and see how we can intake certain things that will then move us in certain directions. Some person who speaks really well, some person who can kind of get in between us and and talk about something that we struggle with and then we start going, yeah, I need to follow that person's life. Even if they're not a bad person, even if they're a good person, but they're teaching you to live in a way that is outside the word of God, friends, you are in trouble of walking with the wicked. Be aware of the progression. It starts off small. You see, it starts off by simply taking their advice to then... Completely associating with them, right? Standing in the way. It's not like standing in their way, it's like standing with them in their way. And then championing their cause. This psalm opens up this book with this being one of the most essential ideas for the entire Psalter. Maybe some of you are familiar with an old dead Baptist who are like my favorite, right? His name is Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon had this to say about these very verses. He said, When men are living in sin, they go from bad to worse. At first, they're merely walking in the counsel of the careless and ungodly, who forget God. The evil is rather practical than habitual. But after that, they become habituated to evil. And they stand in the way of open sinners who willfully violate God's commandments. And if let alone, they go one step further and become themselves pestilent teachers and tempters of others. And thus they sit in the seat of the scornful. They have taken their degree in vice and as true doctors of damnation, they are installed. I can't say it like Charles Spurgeon does, so I have to quote him. But we see that progression in the way of the wicked. It doesn't just start off that way. Yes, we start off as sinners, but man, we can really dive into that. We can really drink from that cup to where all of a sudden, we're not just taking counsel from somebody on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or whatever it may be, but now we're the person making videos in that same line and in that same vein. The blessed do nots, friends, do not take counsel from the wicked. You've been given the word of God. Verse two says, but, that's right, we're only in verse two, hang with me. But, right, he makes a transition. We're still describing this blessed way of life, but the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates both day and night. We see that the positive aspect of the blessed man is this delighting in the law of the Lord. The same thing I hope we all long to do. You see, the blessed man delights in the law Of the Lord, you'll see probably in your Bible that Lord is already capped out, right? It's in all capital letters. That's because this is the covenantal name of God. This is Yahweh, right? So when you see that in your Bible, capitalized, it's speaking of the covenantal name of God for a covenantal people of God hearing the covenantal word of God. Okay, I can get off on a tangent. I'm gonna take a breath. Okay, so we see that the blessed man is going to delight in this law of the Lord. Friends, What is delighting in something? Delighting is something that brings you great pleasure. But that pleasure for the blessed man, for this blessed way of life, is over what the the Hebrew calls the Torah. This is the Hebrew word for law. It's generally referenced to the first five books of the Old Testament, although that's also known as the Pentateuch. But we see that the law of God is being given in these first five books. But this word Torah is more used broadly for just the law of God or God's instruction. The blessed person, the blessed way is a way that actually delights in God's word. It actually moves that person to want to keep reading it want to actually follow what it says, not just say, oh, it's fine, I like the Word of God. It actually changes you. This is what brings the blessed man delight. Friends, my question is, does the Word of God bring you delight? Praise be to God. Now let's see how delightful this word is. We're going to jump into Psalm 19. So just a few pages over. uh, If you guys want to go there, don't worry, I will read it aloud for you. You heard Psalm 119 uh, in your call to worship. Psalm 19 is like the summary version. um, If you don't want to read all of those verses, Psalm 119 will give you a a short summary. But I'm going to pick up in verse 7. See, Psalm 19 lays out general revelation, God's uh, showing himself to the world by his creation. And then verses 7 and on talk about his special revelation, the law of the Lord. And here's what it says about the law. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Friends, did you hear how David describes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, how David describes the word of God? It is more desirable than all the money in the world and even the sweetest honey. This is the word of God. This is why your delight should be in the word of God. It actually can revive the soul. In the Hebrew, that means bringing the soul back to its original intent, which is in a relationship with God. God. How amazing is this word that you get to hear week in and week out that you probably have eight different versions of sitting in your bookshelf that you have every version of in your phone. How delightful is this word? And just to add a cherry on top, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah is so helpful. And we're gonna go back to him a couple of times today. But Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Listen to how Jeremiah describes finding the word of God. Your words were found, he says, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Friends, that we would have the joy, the blessedness, the delight of the prophet Jeremiah as we find God's word, as we eat it, as we intake it. Don't actually eat your Bible. That would be weird. But as you intake it, as you read it, as you listen to it, as you pray over it, realize that this is a delight. See, the blessed man sees the beauty of the word, and he finds great pleasure in the laws of the Lord, and he acts on them. He meditates on on the word of God. Now, meditation can have a bad ring in our churches, right? We hear meditation, and I don't know about you, but my mind goes Eastern, right? Eastern religious. So maybe some yaming, uh, trying to clear my mind of all things, right? I just saw the hands go like this. Exactly. That's what we tend to think about when we hear the word meditation. This um, kind of a Luke Skywalker being trained by Yoda montage, Right? No one's a Star Wars fan in here. That makes me so sad, right? And maybe you're like the new version and like the Clone Wars because you're a young person or whatever. And that's fine. But right, this is not one of those, I'm going to clear my mind out. That's actually not what meditation means or at least that's not what David means when he's been inspired by the Holy Spirit to give you this word this morning. No, meditation is actually a filling up of. It is filling your mind it's renewing your mind. It is having the word of God always rolling around in your mind. The Hebrew word, I love it, literally means to mutter or growl, okay? Maybe some uh, older men in here, they're they're growlers, right? Right? Um, I'm sure that's none of you in here. Um, but me, if something goes wrong, right, I might be something broke in my house. I'm walking away, storming away. if <laughs> I could have just, <laughs> right, and I'm all mad about it. But the reality of this growling isn't in a mean way. It's that off of your lips is always constantly the word of God. Because you're just thinking about it. You're talking about it. You're you're bringing up your children in the Word of God every day, all day, whether you're at home or you're walking by the way, right? Something about Deuteronomy 6 there, right? Is that we are trying to have the Word of God always in us, this muttering, this growling, this delighting, this always having the Word of God constantly on our lips and considering what it means both day and night, you know, a lot of people like to focus on memorization as a scriptural discipline. And you should. Keep doing it, friends. That's wonderful. But, but meditation is often neglected because we think it's this weird spiritual Eastern thing, and it's not. It's just you slowly, deliberately walking through small chunks of scripture. And it might lead to meditation or a memorization. And that's great, but remember that they're different. Meditation seeks to swirl around. It seeks to get all the goodness like a crock pot, right? Uh, or I don't know what the other one is that my wife uses that I really like, but it, it gets all the juices out, right? It, it, it re- and it cooks it, and it's just delightful. That's what meditation is. You're asking questions of scripture. You're studying and seeking it. You're applying it. You're praying it. You're memorizing it. One commentator says, so to meditate on God's law means to read God's word and reflect and act on its meaning. As we read, we should ask ourselves, what is God saying here about himself and what he has done for us? And what is God saying about us and what he requires of us? Are we living in accordance with God's teachings? Are we living for ourselves or for god that's a wonderful way to meditate on scripture so this blessed man when we're trying to figure out this way remember the the first psalm is leading us in to interpreting all the rest of the psalms and we see this blessed way it's one who does not take counsel and advice and people who are outside the word of god and what they do take and delight and meditate and take counsel from is the word of God. And then we have a description of what he's like. God is so cool because Pastor Jake was talking about saplings and then a mighty oak tree. Well, what does Psalm 1 say the blessed way is like? It's like a tree. In fact, it's not just like a tree. It's like a tree planted. No, note that word planted. Did the tree plant itself? No. The tree didn't plant itself. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's it's fascinating. Okay? Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. You guys are in mineral wells, so maybe you guys are awesome and you actually plant the seed in your garden and then you water it and grows. Me, I go to a nursery and I buy a plant and I uproot it out of that place, and then I plant it in my garden, and that's how I garden, okay? You guys are probably way better than me in gardening, but that's typically how I get my tomatoes and all my other zucchini and all that stuff, right? Is I'll go somewhere, buy it from somebody, take it from them because they got it started, and then I'll plant it. What's interesting about this word is that's the word. That's the essence here. God is uprooting something out of other soil and planting it and making it strong. Putting it by water so that it will get all the nutrients that it needs. Allowing it to yield its fruit in its season and its leaf will not wither. This is a blessed way is when you trust in God and not in yourself. Now, our friend Jeremiah. Let's go back to him because he picks up on this idea in Jeremiah chapter 17. You'll see that I just kind of use Scripture to interpret Scripture. I think that's a really helpful hermeneutic for you guys to pick up. We want to see what Scripture says about other Scripture and how it describes it. So here's what Jeremiah says in chapter 17, starting in verse 5. <clears throat> Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and makes flesh his strength. That's so interesting because that's exactly what it sounded like we were getting from. Blessed is the man who does not take counsel from the wicked. He continues, whose heart turns away from the Lord, he is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. See, Jeremiah picks up on the idea of what does it mean to be like a tree planted by streams of water? What does that mean? It's someone who trusts in the Lord and not in man. That's the idea. That's this blessed way. As they're laying out the blessed way, or not they, he, is laying out the blessed way for us to understand and follow, it is like a tree, a tree that trusts in the Lord, a firm, solid, fruit-producing tree. And this fruit-producing tree will prosper. Now, we make the transition. That was the blessed way. Praise be to God, right? But now we go into the wicked. We're starting in verse 4. I'm almost done. We're starting in verse 4. The wicked are not so. There's actually a ton that's packed into this, right? If we've been following the logic of what's been going on, we need to then define, okay, well, what is a wicked man? Just so I can know. Well, if you go back up to verse one, we see that wicked sinners and scoffers are all around each other, right? They're all kind of connecting to each other. And that's helpful. It helps us understand that. But the Hebrew word for wicked literally means a criminal who is guilty of breaking the law of God. That is what the wicked are, those that break the law of God. And what we can imply from that is that the wicked is also described as someone who does not delight in the law of the Lord, but he delights in the counsel of men. He would rather take counsel from people who are like himself rather than the word of the Lord. Friends, do you, do you see that difference? Like, is that clicking in your mind when you see your favorite pundit or your, your favorite life person? I don't even know what they call those guys. Influencers, right? They can say things and you're like, man, that was so good. I really liked how Arnold wrote a new book on, I don't know what he wrote it on, but he wrote a book on basically being a better person. And it's like he misses the boat, Because sure, maybe there's some practical, helpful tidbits in there, but his counsel's not from the word of God. And so he's leading you astray. And that's what the wicked would rather do. They'd rather say, yeah, but that guy's cool. Jocko says really cool things, and I really like his leadership style. Oh, getting closer, huh? Whoever it may be man that guy's awesome that that athlete that influencer i like what they say no friends i'm not saying that they're all bad i'm just saying that's not the word of god that's not the blessed way so the wicked they would rather take the word of, or the counsel, or the advice, or, or the rebuke of the world rather than the word of God. The wicked are also shown as opposite of a sturdy tree planted next to streams of water by the Lord. In fact, they are blown away like chaff. Please, please, please do not miss the dramatic picture that Scripture gives us of the difference between a sturdy tree planted by water and chaff that is blown away that is done for you to see the difference of the two paths, right? Chaff is what comes off of wheat as it is beaten and threshed so that the edible wheat would fall and be able to be used and be separated from the useless chaff. Chaff that would be blown away. You can go back into the Old Testament and see the threshing floors and how the chaff would be blown away, right? Some of you are in agriculture. I have a, a deacon who I, I love and cherish. And anytime I use an agricultural um, example, I have to go to Ted and I have to ask Ted, Ted, am I, am I explaining this right? And, and sweet Ted will rebuke me many times and be like, Andrew, you are way off, brother. Um, you, that wasn't what that meant, but, but bless your heart, right? Um, <laughs> but we know this is true with chaff. There's no use We see chaff actually be talked about in scripture for other things like thrown into the fire is where chaff will go. This is the wicked way, friends, no matter how tantalizing it might be. This is the wicked way. Now, verses five and six, we get the consequences of the blessed and the wicked. And remember, I keep saying this, this is setting the stage for the rest of the Psalter. So let's start with the wicked. The psalmist ends with what will happen in the end. The eschatological, or when, when all things come, uh, we, we sang about when the trump shall resound, right? And, and Christ comes. This is talking about the end. What will happen in the end as time comes to pass as we know it? The wicked, the guilty sinners who have not delighted in the word of God, friends, they will not stand in the judgment. That's what they're talking about here as they begin this wisdom literature. Friends, the wicked way will not stand in the judgment. The judgment, or as the Old Testament likes to call it, the day of the Lord. It's when God will come and his righteous wrath will be poured out on all of his enemies and be destroyed. That's the day of the Lord. Praise God for Jesus, okay? And we're we're getting to Christ, I promise. And I think the Psalms get to Christ. I'm not just inserting Jesus here. I think we get there legitimately as it points towards Christ. But this is that day of the Lord, and they are being told, you will not stand because you will be destroyed. continues. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Not only will they not stand in the judgment, but they will not be in the congregation of the righteous. Again, pointing to this eternal congregation that the righteous will inherit. There, there are these terminologies uh, of the church. The church militant, which is what we are now as we continue to do uh, the will of the Lord. And then the church triumphant, which is praise be to God where we go and we get to be a part of when we die and we leave this place if we are a believer in Christ. The wicked won't inherit it. No matter how wise they looked on earth, no matter how ripped they were, no matter how wealthy they were, no matter how healthy they presumed to be, no matter how good their politics to you seem like, they will not stand in the end if their trust is not based on Christ, which is in the word, the law of the Lord. The psalm begins with the word blessed, and it ends with the word perish. The two ways. The wicked will not be blessed, but will perish. Now let's go to the blessed. You think, oh good, end on a happy note, I'm not done after. The psalm tells us the one thing that's snuggled away in here for the blessed way, the consequence of the blessed way is for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Friends, can you think of a more intimate blessing that any created creature could ever have than the Almighty, all powerful, all knowing God of the universe? Knows those whom he has planted. Those who trust and delight in the word can be assured that the Lord knows you. Are you willing to give all the rest of that up to be known by God? Oh, the beauty in the suffering that you may have in your life. The cancer's the loss of loved ones, the brokenness of the culture around you, that you would know that in the midst of it, God knows you and he loves you. Oh, what a truth to meditate on, friends. You only find that in the word of God. Meditate on that. Chew on that. Put that in the crock pot, right? Get all the juices from this reality. So in conclusion, we come to what has been clearly laid out in this psalm in two ways, the way of the wicked and the way of the blessed. Some of you this morning probably walked in here believing that you were blessed, but may have realized that your delight was in yourself and not in the word of the Lord. As you continue to listen You realize that your life would not compare to a sturdy oak tree planted by water always blossoming and giving its fruit. No, your life is more like something that's blown this way and that, kind of resembling chaff or those brush in Jeremiah. And you may this morning have finally come to grips with that actually I might be one of the wicked it started just by walking with other sinners, but it progressed to where you not only were walking with them, taking their advice, but you actually have championed it with all the other sinners. The sin which definitively is doing what is not in the Word of God, taking counsel from anything besides the Word of God, this sin condemns you and keeps you from joining the congregation of the righteous. You are destined to another way, it seems. The way of judgment, the way in which you perish. So what do you do with this? Where do we go from here? Friends, there is another way. And in fact, I'm doing a two for one here. I'm jumping into Psalm 2. I think Psalm 2 describes it. Here's what Psalm 2 says, starting in verse 6. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Listen up. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Who is him? I'm hearing a brother over here. Who is him? Him is the son. Him, the one to take refuge in, is the son. Well, well, who is the son? It's the begotten one. The one that the Lord said from all of eternity, you are my son, today I have begotten you. It is this son that God himself has placed on the throne of Zion. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. Who is the Psalms talking about? Newsflash, they're talking about Jesus. It's not just we read this and go, oh, that was good for them back in that time. No, the Psalms are pointing to Jesus. David is pointing to Jesus. He might not know it yet, but he's pointing to the better king that will sit on the throne for eternity. And it is that one that has the better way. The son is actually, when you read this, the perfect blessed man. Never taking counsel from the wicked, always delighting in the law of God, meditating on it day and night. His leaf has never withered, and all that he has done, he has prospered, even in dying for our sin. In fact, he says in John fourteen six, I am the way I am the way, he says, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, kiss the Son lest he be angry and you die in your way. This morning, you may be forgiven of your sins. If you confess your sin, put your trust, your delight, your refuge in Jesus Christ, the true blessed man, the one who came and lived a perfect life that you could not live, was killed upon the cross, taking the wrath of God for the sin that you committed, was raised from the dead, conquering sin and death, and ascended to the right hand of God where he sits on his throne forever. That's who you put your trust in. That's why this word is so delightful and tastes like honey. And should be your delight, the thing you meditate on, not the things of this world, it doesn't have anything to offer you compared to this. Friends, I I hope I've not hoisted a burden onto your backs this morning. If you are a believer and you have been struggling to delight in the word of the Lord, turn to Christ, the perfect blessed man who lived that perfect life and died on your behalf. Call out to him as he sits at the right hand of the Father, mediating on your behalf right this instant. Call to him, ask for forgiveness, ask for an invigorated love and delight in the word of God. Because as we conclude, the wicked delight in their own counsel, but the blessed man delights in the word of God because he has been planted by God and is known by God. Let's pray.